And I'm excited to be here, to be sharing the truth with you. And uh, I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. I hope in the next uh, 35 minutes, the focus is not on me. The focus is not on some of the struggles with work. You're not thinking about your spouse. You're not thinking about going home and watching TV or going to bed. But that we are focused on the Word of God. The, um, the, word that, the words that are written here that are going to endure forever. Let me open this up with prayer. Father, um, hide me tonight, for I am a sinner, one who says and does things that I am ashamed of. But I stand here tonight as one who desires to see the truth proclaimed, to um, realize that I am one who has been saved by grace. And how I desire to see that um, spread to others. We give you this night. I lift up this time. And if I say anything, Father, that is um, not true, may, uh, may the ears be deaf to it. And we lift up this time in Christ's holy name. Amen. Um, if you were here last week, I um, spent most of the time looking at the book of Philippians. We start in Philippians 3, and we've moved to Philippians 1. And uh, Philippians 3, and I really like Philippians 3, mainly because it talks about uh, Philippians 3.14. kind of talks about running a race. You know, Paul gives visual pictures in this thing. You, you see here he's talking about running the race. And uh, he talks about pressing on towards the goal to win the prize in which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He talks about running the race. And we talked about last week us running the race in such a way that we are, we are glorifying God. And uh, then I borrowed a few words uh, from Churchill, which I've had someone share with me <coughs> several times this week. And uh, even myself, I used it this week. And uh, referring to where Churchill, Churchill said um, to a group of kids, and this is all he said, he was talking to him, and he was telling him to never give in, never give in, never, never, never. And it goes on, and I kind of have to change it up, where I say, in nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in to the things of this world. But for us to press on and rejoice in the Lord, seeking to live a life worthy of the calling. And worthy to glorify God in all that we do. So that was one of the things, to, to glorify God in all that we do and all that we say. And um, so I went then because we want to know, how, how do we do this? We went back and we looked kind of at Philippians 1. And in Philippians 1, Paul is talking there. And uh, before I got into this, one of the things I want to make sure, that night I want to make sure tonight, folks, a key to what takes place here. It's something that happens over in the book of Acts. Uh, if you turn to Acts 9, uh, something takes place. Uh, in Acts 9, Paul is what? What happens? Anybody know what happens in Acts 9? Paul is converted. It is on the road to Damascus in 9 here. And uh, it is there he is Saul. Saul, uh, this is in chapter 9, verse 4. 
verse 4, Saul says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? The conversion of Paul takes place here. You know what's kind of neat about this? He's converted here. Do you think anywhere else in Acts it talks about it? Chapter 22. Paul again, I think it's in 22. 22, uh, 7. Then I fell on the ground and I heard the voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Paul goes through his testimony again. We turn over to chapter uh, 26. 26, 14 again. We all fell to the ground and I heard the verse. I heard the voice. And again, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Three times it talks about the conversion of Paul. I'm only going to talk about it twice. But again, a key for all this to make sense is for us to realize that none of this makes sense. Life does not have meaning and purpose unless we've come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We understand that we were sinners and lost in our sin and that life was meaningless and hopeless and empty until we came to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because in verse 4, Paul kind of talks about that in Philippians 4, 1, 4, where he says this, <clears throat> In all of my prayers, um, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of our partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul has confidence in what is taking place in his life. Why? Because of the conversion. Because of the changed life that took place. He realized what he used to be as Saul. The one who persecuted the Christian. The one who was out there desiring to see Christians killed. And now his life has changed and he's writing to the church of Philippi. And again, you know, how, do, how do we live this out though? One, we have to understand the life change, how our lives have been changed by Christ. And then Paul tells us in here, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Paul is telling us that we, we need to be growing in our relationship with God. For us to endure the race that is before us, we have to understand who God is. We have to understand our position in Christ. And when we understand our position, now we're ready to grow in our relationship with Christ. And so he goes on, and we finished kind of with chapter 12 through 14, where Paul, is because he is in prison, he talks about how throughout the whole palace guard, everyone has heard Paul, and how people are encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly, those in Christ's work. Because of what had happened to Paul and the struggles that he had gone through, uh, Paul was only able to go through it because he understood his position in Christ. He understood his relationship. He was growing in it. And because of that, he was able to endure through some very difficult times. Paul understood um, that struggles were going to come his way. Tonight, I'd like to continue in this little section, and uh, I have a um, new title tonight, uh, different than last week, and here it is, and I'm stealing again some lines from um, something, and you may be able to get it. My thing tonight is, to struggle or not to struggle, 
That is the question. To be or not to be, that is the question. Where there's nowhere in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortunes. And goes on somehow. I remember that in high school. It's about all I remember from high school. That and a few other quotes. And that's about it. But tonight, isn't that sad? But I do remember that. Uh, tonight, really, to struggle or not to struggle, that is the question. All of us uh, will come across times where we're really struggling. Paul is struggling here. And we have times where we, we struggle through things. Um, there's trials. And when I'm talking about struggle, I'm talking about wrestling through things. You know, here we have a, we've got some problems and we, we have a choice to either say, man, I don't know, I'm just going, I don't, I'm going to give in. Or we can wrestle through it. We can, we can work through it. Every time we have that choice. You, you make the sh- decisions in life for what we're going to do with them. You know, we, we all can either believe who we are in Christ or we can believe the lies that are out there, the lies that Satan would love for us to buy into. Um, I was trying to find where this quote came from, but uh, I never did. Uh, I had it written in some other notes I had from a talk I did on Psalms uh, 2, and um, I look forever trying to find where this came from. But it's from um, a Dr. R.T. Kendall. And uh, he says this, 100% of Christians will go through a period when God seems to let them down. He didn't say 99%. He says all of us are going to go through times when God seems to let us down. You know what he also says? of the Christians fail to ever break through that time. They they cannot get past that God has betrayed them, that God has let them down. John Calvin said this about it all. We are not afflicted by chance, but through the infallible providence of God. Our affliction, our trials, our struggles... (laughs) It's just not happening. God is allowing that to happen. The question is, do we come to those struggles and we just say, oh man, this is too much. I don't know. I'm just going to give in. I'm just going to go down that road. I know I shouldn't, but I'm just going to because the struggle is too much. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to think about it. Or do we do like Paul? You know, when you go through struggles, um, do you know God better? Do you know yourself better? Have you become more like Christ through it all? You know, I, I must say in my own life, and this is personal experience, that um, when I have trials and tribulations and I'm struggling really um, a lot, you know what really helps? Is comes out Psalm 1. And it tells me here in Psalms 1, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers. Verse 3. But what does, or verse 2. But he delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields his fruit in season. 
You know, I seem as I struggle through things, if I'm not close to my Heavenly Father, as struggles come along, and I'm not close to Him, those struggles are real struggles. And I seem to give in a whole lot more when I'm not planted close to Him. You know what happens when I'm not close to Him? The liar comes in. Satan comes in and fills me with all types of lies. Oh, Clay, you know, you're, you're really not worthy. <laughs> you know, Clay, you're really, you know, you're, you're not worth anything. Satan sneaks in. And what does he do? He desires to devour me. Uh, one of the first books I ever read, and it wasn't, I hate to say it, it's about this big, and I really wanted to find it. I have it somewhere, and I think I may put it in a box somewhere. But one of the first books I ever read, and I don't even know who's by right now. I, don't, I meant to look for it, but I thought about this late today. It was called Many Aspire and Few Attain. And I still remember that book very well. Many aspire, but few attain. Uh, many people, they start out, oh yeah, I'm going to walk the Christian life. Oh, I'm going to be this great Christian. But you know what happens? Trials come along. Because remember, every Christian has trials. They somehow, they aspire, they desire to be something. But they do not attain it. Uh, they're not firmly planted by the stream of life. Um, what I'd like for us to do today um, is to look at some of the, the rest of the passages really here in chapter 1. And uh, I really kind of want to go into chapter 2 of Philippians, but uh, we're not going to make it to chapter 2. But um, I'd like to look at because Paul kind of addresses this. Remember, he's kind of gone through and he kind of has shared with the Christians a little bit here. He's kind of He's given this picture of how he's you know, he's, he's in prayer for him. He's praying that they will grow in their walk. But an affliction has come his way. And he has um, used the affliction the, to glorify God. And he goes on, and we're going to pick up and read today uh, this new section in um, verse 27, where he says, Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to see you, only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for Him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now here that I still have. Paul now kind of changes a little bit. And he addresses them. And he tells them, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. You know, here we are. He's, he's about to give them. He, he's kind of giving them a new picture here. He's showing them that there's a battle taking place between good and evil here. The battle is taking place. And he's about to give them... Um, a little guidance in this thing. A few guidelines. He tells them 27 to conduct. Or you could say a pattern of lifestyle. He's telling them in this verse, whatever happens, conduct yourself. Or have a lifestyle depending upon Christ. Your life should be one that you're not depending upon Dr. Young 
or anyone besides Christ. You're so dependent, should be, on Christ and Christ alone. Um, I'm trying to... Um, I had a great illustration here. Now I don't remember what it was. Um, I can't remember what it was now. That's terrible. But, um, you know, I got my writing here and I just totally messed up on this thing. Um, that's bad when you're writing something and you can't even read your own writing. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, we will continue without my good illustration. Um, so often we do have that. We we try. We oh, there it is. I fi- it finally came to. Me. I can't read my writing, but I know what it is now. Um, <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, here it is. I don't know about y'all, but when my parents uh, or Diana's parents, really more Diana's parents, come to Memphis, do you know what we do at our house? We do more projects in a week pr- than we ever do all year. Why? Well, we're trying to impress people. We want to try and make them go, oh, look, they got the house together. Oh, the kids. You know, everything looked nice. And that is so often in our Christian life. We're trying to impress people. We don't, our Christian life is not something that we're trying to constantly live out, but it's almost like, oh, you know, um, you know, I need to be good this week because Dr. Young's coming over. I, you know, I've got this meeting with you know some people. I need to be you know acting good this week. You know, it's not something we live out day by day by day, and that's what the Christian life should be because that's what Paul is saying. He says, "Well, whether I come and see or just hear about you in my absence, stand firm. Whatever happens, you know, stand firm. Don't depend on me." Now, Paul was there with them for a while, and now they're kind of wondering what's happened to Paul. But, you know, Paul's telling him here, hey, <laughs> you know, I might come see you, but it doesn't matter. You should live a certain way. Uh, and Paul talks about it again in the book of Ephesians where he tells them how to live. He tells them, uh, be completely humble, be completely gentle, be patient, bearing one another's love. Live a certain way all the time. Don't try to do things to earn favor of my father-in-law, my mother-in-law. Don't don't earn favor from people by doing things. But we should be having the attitude that we're going to live a certain way. Verse 27 is also saying, it says, conduct yourself. Which literally means to live as a citizen. Or it talks about later in chapter 3, it talks about uh, 320, our citizenship is in heaven. You know, I should pattern my life in such a way uh, that I am living a way that is obvious that I am a Christian. You know, I've been to uh, Brazil a couple times. And, uh, you know, every time I go to Brazil, do you know how quickly people recognize that I am from America? You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> after one word comes out of my mouth, people know that I am not from Brazil. <laughs> What about your Christian life? How long does it take till someone realize you're a Christian? You know, if um, I went with you tomorrow at your workplace, and, uh, you know, how many people would know that you were a Christian? They, would they be shocked? Oh, he's a Christian? Oh, he brought his pastor. I didn't even know he went to church. You know, do you, have, do you live a life that people can see that? 
And I know I'm sitting up here saying all this, and you're kind of like going, well, man, Clay, you know, there's, <laughs> there's major opposition at my workplace. You know, if I were to be that radical, do you know what might happen to me? Do you know how people might make fun of me? That I wouldn't get to hang around all my friends and I would have to, you know, be over there? I couldn't go out with them at night? You know, they go to these really fun places and we have a great time. Are you saying that? There's going to be opposition? Well, Paul tells them there will be. Um, There's good news in here, though. When he says this, um, listen to this. For it has been granted to you on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him. There's going to be suffering for Him. But what does it say right before that? Listen to what it says that. For us not to be frightened with, um, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. For this is signed to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by Christ. Do you get that? There is going to be opposition. You should realize that in, the, in this world. If you don't, I mean, maybe you work at a church and you don't feel much opposition. You, know, you don't feel that. I don't know. But I'm telling you, at Grace of Anne, I feel it every day. Not so much in the staff, but in things I hear. There are things out there opposing me. And all of us face that. Be it in people we work with or within ourselves. We all struggle in certain areas, in certain things. Um, we were talking uh, as a staff, and I don't think anybody mind, minds me saying this, but we were talking and somehow we got into Internet pornography. And we were trying to figure out what percent of the male population is involved in that. And uh, we didn't come up with a very good number probably, but it was most of us believe that it's a high number. Um, I would think um, falling into stealing and lying is a big struggle for people. Uh, Peer pressure, even um, as adults, peer pressure can be really uh, big. And, uh, you know, it's just, to me, I kind of live in a bubble, I guess. I live out in Germantown. And, you know, for me to cross over uh, the expressway is major. You know, I just don't go downtown a lot. and about, I don't know, two months ago, I went downtown, went to, they were having this revival. And I go downtown and, you know, I'm down there and we're kind of having this big revival. And afterwards, there, it was during Barbecue Fest, I knew somebody who was cooking down there. And I go, you know, I'm going to go see them. And, uh, you know, it's a Thursday night. It's got to be calm. You know, I don't go down there much, okay? I don't know what's happening. So I drive and I'm driving and going to find a place to park. $10 parking, $20. I go, ooh, that's kind of steep. You know, but I'm driving, and suddenly I realize, you know what? I got to get out of here. I need to go back home. I'm by myself. I'm downtown, and man, there's all kinds of things happening. And I go, if I park this car and get out, man, it's just, <laughs> it's the jungle, man. I was nervous, and I was like, oh, I got to go. I got to find the expressway. And that took me about another ten minutes to try to figure out how to even get out of there because I was, you know, in traffic and I don't really know the roads downtown. But it was, you know. I saw the opposition everywhere. And it was time for me to leave. But we have to realize that Christ speaks about, if we turn to John um, John 15, it talks about, um, if the world hates you, you know that it hates me before it hates you. If you were of the world, the world would love you. 
Does that make sense? Sure it does. If we love the thing, if we laugh at certain jokes, you know, people go, oh, you laugh at my joke, yeah. But if you don't, or if we take a certain stand, there's going to be opposition. You know, as Christians, we have to realize there is going to be struggles in life. To struggle or not to struggle. We have the choice. We have, that is the question we need to deal with. How are we going to deal with the struggles that come our way? I know for me, it's a lot easier to just kind of go, I don't want to struggle with this. Yeah, we can go do that. You know, to fall into it. Even raising kids. You know, you fall into a lot of temptation. You know, you really need to say no to them on something. You need to take a stand. And you just kind of fall in. Oh, yeah, we can go do it. Or you're not willing to take a stand for righteousness even in in the house. Um, There's all type of temptation. And... um, I think it's neat to see what Paul tells us in here because he really tells us not to panic. You know, you can easily get into it. And downtown, I'm telling you, I panicked. You know, I saw all this stuff and I just panicked. You know, I go, I got to get out of here because I really panicked. I saw all this stuff and I go, I got to get out of here. We don't need to panic. It says that in verse 28. Where is that? Uh, 28 where it says, do not be frightened in any way by those who oppose you. We do not need to be panicking. We don't need to be frightened about it. Um, there are trials that are going to come our way. Peter talked about, and one time, back when I was in the youth department, we were talking about, and um, we went through First Peter, and uh, after a while they just, we didn't, I was ready to get off of it because we kept talking about suffering and all the suffering and how we're supposed to endure it all. And, uh, but it's, you know, it is so true though. First uh, Peter 4, 12 talks about, Dear friends, uh, do not be surprised at the painful trials you're suffering as though something strange was happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the suffering of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And we have to realize that suffering is going to be there. There's going to be those hard times. I don't need to panic. Um, I've shared this with some of y'all, so I'll share it with everybody now. Uh, one thing happened to me one, one year we go to Fall Creek Falls with the junior high, and we're out there, and there's a, a cave. And Brent Wilkins over there, he loves them, and I, I think they're okay. But this time we get in there, and we were going, and Brent takes us way back in this thing, and it gets suddenly we've got to go up this real steep place. Well, we got junior high kids, and you take junior high kids back there, some of them are like, 45 pounds, they just shoot off through little gaps and everything. And this one group of guys shot off through this little hole. Well, myself and this other lady say, we better go that way. And so he gets down on all fours and starts going through this hole about this big. And so he's going, and suddenly, there is no more room. All I could see was his rear end filling the hole. And suddenly, you know what happened to me? <gasps> I suddenly became very claustrophobic. And I was just like going, whoa. I go, I called him Pilgrim at that time because we were going through Pilgrim's Progress. I go, Pilgrim, come back. Come back over here. You know, come on. But you know what? After that day, I started having what they call panic attacks, I guess is what the doctor called them. <laughs> I went to the doctor. Um, I was very claustrophobic. And so the doctor gave me some medicine. I was taking Paxil, Okay. I wasn't taking Paxil. I thought he told me, if I ever had a panic attack, just take this. So at night, I would have dreams or something, and I would wake up. I had to get out of the house. 
Then I'd go downstairs, take my packs off, and go outside, feel a little bit better, come back in the house. But man, I'm just panicking. Man, I'm just, I'm going, man, when's this going to start working? You know, being the, I don't know if y'all know about that, but you have to take it for like, I don't know, three months or something for it to start working. <laughs> and you know, I was thinking it was going to cure me like that. But you know, the only thing, only one thing ever called me to calm down. There's only one way that I ever calmed down because I'm sitting there and well, come on, this has got to go because I'm sitting on the couch right by the door so I can shoot back out there if it started just, everything started closing in on me. The only thing, the way I got out of it was Scripture. Now, I didn't have my Bible with me, but I know a few verses. And man, I would just start, the, every one of them would just pew, popping and popping. I just kept going and going and going. And you know what happened? I was out of the panic. Why? Because I was, I was believing the truth. I was, I was clinging to it. I was not letting Satan overcome me in this thing. And, uh, you know, a little bit later, somebody finally told me, man, that Paxwell, you know, you got to take it for like three months before it starts working. And I'm like going, ah, I need to just get rid of that stuff. Because what's helping me is not some drug. Now, I'm not saying drugs are bad. I'm just saying what I needed when I got into a state of panic, is to realize who I am in Christ. For me to realize that, that my, my strength is found here. As struggles came along, I could allow Satan to overcome me or I could cling to the truth here. Um, and it just brings great joy to know that, you know, the truth has saved me. The truth is what I need to cling to. And I cannot allow Satan to sneak in in any way or form. And I'm telling you, it's really amazing. I can't believe this, but Satan knows my weaknesses. And that's where he desires to attack me. That's hard to believe, isn't it? You know, if you've ever been involved in an athletic event, um, I used to play football when I was in, in college. I played. And uh, when I was playing, it was at junior college, so don't get too excited. But when I was playing at junior college, you know what I did every game? I figured out the weakness. I, I played on defense. I was linebacker. I know. I was linebacker. I'm a little bit small for it. But anyway, every game, I would look over and figure the guy out. What is this guy's weakness? And, uh, man, every game, I knew the guy in front of me. One time, this guy was, I don't know, 6'5", 275. And at that time, actually, I weighed less than I do now. I weighed 175. But, man, I found out his weakness. He was slow. So, as soon as the ball snapped, I'm gone. You know, he's still kind of coming up. That's how Satan is. He knows our weakness, and he's going to attack us there. We need to know our weakness. And we need to uh, make it our strength. And uh, why? Because we have been saved by grace. We are like Paul, who we were once lost. Now we are found. We were blind, and now we see. Paul is excited. And, uh, you know, struggles come along. He, he, he struggles. He has, you know, he's in prison. Things aren't going well. But he doesn't throw in the towel. He shares the good news. And we find out here that throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else, um, they found out the love of Christ. And those in Christ were encouraged to speak the Word of God more courageously and fearlessly. I wish people could say that about me one day. 
Man, I was encouraged by Clay to speak the Word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Let me I'm kind of close with a little application of this. Uh, we all have trials. We all have temptations, whatever you want to call them. We have, we have struggles. And, uh, you know, I don't know why all of them are there. We see in part now. One day we will see in full. You know, I don't understand all that. But one thing I know that we can apply is right now we can allow the Helper, the Holy Spirit, to guide us so that we have a lifestyle or we live in a way we have a pattern, not a, something that happens once in a while, something that happens all the time, that we are walking closer and closer with our Heavenly Father. Um, I don't know the situation that all of you are in, or any of you are in, really, but, uh, you know, I need to, myself, spend more and more time studying the truth. Not only studying it, but I need to know it and put it into action. I need one of the reasons I like being involved in these things is it allows me to get out and share the good news. You know, I really am not an office person. I really don't like being in my office. I like being out seeing people and talking to them and hearing what's going on in their lives. And I like seeing people and, and to be able to minister to people and minister with people. We need that at Christian. Now, if we had more time, you know what's neat to look is chapter 2, where Paul starts talking and starts sharing some really vital things. He talks about, you know, if there's any encouragement in Christ, you know, anything positive to focus on, let's focus on those things. You know, there's some great truths in here that we need to be clinging to. So my application is for you to spend more and more time, as much time as you can, Building your relationship with your Heavenly Father. You know, you can fool me. You can fool anyone in this room, really. Some people are really good at it. But I'm telling you, you're not fooling God. He's not sitting up there going, I didn't get that. I didn't know he was making all that up. He was playing games. You know, he. you're not fooling God. Please don't be doing things to impress people here at the church. You should be doing things because you realize that you are lost and now you've been found. I'm telling you, life has meaning for me now. At one time, it had none. Paul understood that. And Paul is excited. Even though he's going through some tough times, he's excited to write back to the church of Philippi. Because of what Christ had done for him. He's done the same for many in this room. And those who have not received Christ in this room, man, come talk to me. Come talk to others in this room. Jeff Simons is trained. There's, a, there's two EE people. There's a bunch of EE people. And there's people who know Christ and they would love to share the truth if you don't completely understand it. Then life can have meaning. Not that life won't have trials, won't have hard times, but life has meaning and purpose. Because the end, we all will rejoice in paradise. And that is something to rejoice over. Let me close this in prayer. Father, I must say that um, I struggle. And at times I would love to just um, 
throw in the towel and these struggles I just don't even want to deal with. I don't want to even face. But those are times when Satan is lying to me. When he is filling my mind with thoughts that um, are leading me down a path that um, is a dead end. May I realize that um, you have provided uh, struggles for a reason. That they are there, they are like sandpaper. They are there to, to smooth me out. They are there to help me in my Christian walk. There's so much um, that I don't understand. But one thing I know is that my Heavenly Father loves me. He will never forsake me. He will never leave me. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We thank You for the Savior who died so that we might have life. We thank You for Your Holy Spirit that indwells us, that guides us, that leads us in the pathway of righteousness. We thank You for the body of uh, grace of Anne where we can be encouraged by fellow believers. I thank You for opportunities of missions where we can take the good news of Jesus Christ to others. And Father, we, are, we come here tonight as people who need to fall deeper in love with you. Help us to do that. As we study your word, as we spend time with others, may we gain insight. May we grow in wisdom and understanding so that we can uh, not be better bankers, not better uh, businessmen, but that we can be more and more like Christ. We thank you for this time, and we ask all this in Christ's holy name. Amen.